0: Hello, story lovers. This is Laurel McCarg, and you're listening to Alligator Preserves. I'm about to present my ninth short story, and I'm going to open this one up to everybody. It's a Christmas story, and I'm also going to add a bonus Christmas poem, one that I wrote a while ago based on Twas the Night Before Christmas. So don't go away. Welcome to Alligator Preserves, a weekly podcast about revealing yourself through storytelling, story reading, and story writing, but probably not story arithmetic because that's not a thing. You just might surprise yourself with the secrets you'll uncover. I'll share my short story first. It's called The Blessed Biscuit. Samuel didn't know how his tie got stapled to the wall, nor did he understand how he could have been transported unaware to this uncomfortable wooden chair facing the corner of his office, his expensive new Armani tie, now ruined by industrial staple holes, binding him to this spot like a punished child, mocking him. He felt as if he really didn't know anything anymore." Marrying Carol, his high school sweetheart, had been the best decision Samuel had ever made. But that was 12 years ago. After seven years of happiness together, despite many failed attempts to add a child to their home, Carol finally became pregnant. Sarah was born to them on January 6th, Epiphany, their own little miracle baby. And so, after five years as manager of his hometown bank where he had enjoyed a sufficient salary, friendly work environment and banker hours, he left his comfortable job for a higher level one that would pay better and allow him to provide more for his family. Anybody out there? Samuel called as he surveyed his plush office, working to free himself from his embarrassing predicament. Who could have pulled such a prank on him? And on Christmas Eve of all times, he remembered the office party, if it could be called a party, 25 overworked employees itching to get home after the mandatory sharing of holiday cheer. The company had even brought in a Santa, an amazingly authentic-looking one, in an ironic attempt to show how much the management cared about its people. But Samuel couldn't seem to remember anything that happened, After Santa had opened his gift bag, nothing but silence greeted his call. Whoever had done this to him wanted to make sure he'd stay in this corner for a long time. The elaborately patterned tie was stapled countless times, both lengths of silk firmly attached to the wall in a way that prevented him from slipping it over his head or from simply pulling it away from the wall. He could not reach the scissors on his desk or the phone. Perhaps it was best, he thought, that no one was available to witness what he might have considered to be a comical situation on any other day. But he could see the hands pointing to 11 o'clock on the wall, and realizing that he had certainly missed reading Sarah her night-before-Christmas bedtime story, he began working to free himself. Laboriously picking each staple out of the wall, Samuel questioned the decision that brought him to this point, stuck in a high-priced office and a high-paying job with high-stress obligations, and felt more confused than ever. Friends and coworkers from his old bank had invited him back to their holiday party days ago, and the joyful atmosphere was real and personal. Knowing full well that his pay was only half what Samuel's new employment provided, the interim manager had jokingly offered him his job back. Everyone had laughed, but there was no smile on Samuel's face as he drove to work the next morning. He actually couldn't remember smiling since he had first donned this ruined tie over a month ago. Finally, with sore fingers and torn nails, Samuel pulled back from his corner prison He wondered how he would explain the damaged wall. It wasn't too bad, he thought, as he ran his fingers over the small holes. Then, startled by what looked like a pattern, he turned his head sideways and saw letters appear in braille-like bumps. He read them aloud, like a schoolchild. H-A-P-Y. The acronym meant nothing to him. Tired, frustrated, and in no mood for games, Samuel tossed the tie in the trash can and made his way home. Carol would be worried, though she knew that as new guy, he would be keeping long hours, even on holidays. All he really wanted to do was give his family the best he could, but right now he wasn't sure what the best meant. The roads were empty, Everyone was already home. He pulled into the garage and walked into the still, quiet kitchen, the aroma of tomorrow's pumpkin pie lingering in the air. He was suddenly very hungry. On a child's table in the corner of the kitchen lay a crayon-smudged letter to Santa and a holiday plate upon which rested a homemade biscuit. He recognized the biscuit, an enormous monstrosity to behold, lovingly created days ago with flour and water and egg and entirely too much salt, and baked just a bit too long. Sarah had made this especially for Santa in the hopes of making her most desired Christmas wish come true. Smiling, Samuel picked up and read the childish scrawl. Dear Santa, even though I like to have a new doll and a teddy bear, what I want more is to have my daddy get his old job back. I don't think he is happy now, but he was happy before. And happy is spelled H-A-P-Y. And I was happy too because I got lots more hugs because he was home more. If you eat my special biscuit, I will know you will give him his old job back and I will be happy again. You can share my biscuit with the deer if you want. Oh, and my mom wants a new coffee pot because I didn't mean to drop the old one. And can you please give my daddy a new tie? Love, Sarah. The new doll and the overstuffed teddy bear were already conspicuously placed under the tree along with several other presents Carol and Samuel knew Sarah would love. Samuel had known about those items, the easy and obvious holiday hits, but he was completely unprepared to deliver what his daughter wanted most. Or was he? Samuel looked at the small, uncomfortable, wooden child's chair in the corner, the note, the biscuit, and reflected on the corner he had found himself trapped in just hours ago. It had been a long, stressful, bizarre day. The clock on the wall began to gong the countdown to Christmas morning. A huge smile lit Samuel's face. There was really nothing more for him to think about. Everything suddenly became clear again. All that was left to do was sit down and eat that biscuit. (laughs) That ends my short story, The Blessed Biscuit. And I was given the first line. Samuel didn't know how his tie got stapled to the wall. And then the last line, all that was left to do was sit down and eat that biscuit. (laughs) So I came, I came up with the story in between and had some fun doing it. Hope you enjoyed it. I actually, when I wrote that story, it was, uh, it was personal in nature because it had to do with my husband, Mike, and the stresses I saw him endure when EMC took over the small company he was working in called Internosis and I do believe there's something to be said for having enough, but I won't get on that soapbox. Instead, I will read you my rendition of Twas the Night Before Christmas. I wrote my own rendition of the famous poem Twas the Night Before Christmas several years ago, and I challenge you to do the same thing with your own personal story. Here goes. "'Twas the night before Christmas at the Lead-Ass Inn. "'Not a soul had forgotten their faraway kin. "'The stockings were hung on the bookshelf this year "'to help the Red Room appear far less austere. "'The children were working on muscles with Dad. "'Vacation from college had made them both glad. "'So Mike in the gym and I in the kitchen "'had just figured out how to minimize bitchin.' When out in the yard there arose such a noise, I left my potatoes in fear for my boys. Away to the entry I ran like a mouse, tore open the first door and tripped over Klaus. The moon on the icicles hanging above cast a glimmer from heaven, which sparkled like love, when what to my curious eye should appear but husband and sons in their gym-sweaty gear— With a look in their eyes, so hungry and tired, I knew that I had what their muscles required. More rapid than ravenous donkeys they came, and I welcomed them home and called them by name. Now Nicholas, Jacob, now Charlie and Mike, come to the kitchen, I've something you'll like. To the warmth of the kitchen, to the nicely set table, now come on in, sit right down, show me you're able.' as laborers that before royalty know, when invited to dine with them and plan to go, first up to the showers like eagles they flew, with towels, deodorant, hair products, too. And then, with much giggling, I heard from the rooms... "'The descent of feet on stairs, sounding like booms. "'As I waited for them and expected them soon "'to the kitchen, they came with a Christmas-day tune. "'They were dressed in melanzana "'from their head to their feet, "'and their urgency said it was past time to eat. "'Computers and iPhones, they're never without, "'and they looked like mad scientists, abolishing doubt. "'Their eyes, how they twinkled, their faces, how cheerful. "'I knew over dinner would all get an earful.' Their brains were both filled with the latest they'd learned and with happiness, shared all the knowledge they'd earned. The interwebs demonstrate knowledge's power and provide a week's worth of stuff in an hour. The boys shared new songs and cute memes and fun sites. We listened and questioned and laughed between bites. They were happy to share with their parents their world, and we laughed as our past became truly unfurled. A wink in their eyes and a shared chuckle too soon let us know that our brains would grow new. They spoke with gusto but were quick to explain and never let on that our questions were lame. And after our dinner when bellies were full and one to the other to the stairs did they pull, they sprang to their rooms after smiles and warm hugs and away they both crept into bed like good thugs, but we heard them exclaim as they fell from our sight, Merry Christmas to all. May your futures be bright. (laughs) So that's what I did, and you'll have to go to my website, uh, ledvalaurel.com, and search on Twas the Night Before Christmas to read it and to uh, see some of the things that will explain some of the the references that I make. (laughs) It was really fun creating that poem, and I haven't read it in years. I thought about updating it recently, but that was a lot of work. <laughs> if you choose to rewrite Twas the Night Before Christmas on your own, I would love to see it. I would even post it on my website if you'd like. And you can find today's show notes with links and photos on my website at Ludvelllaurel.com And if you enjoyed this and other episodes, please subscribe to Alligator Preserves wherever you get your podcast. Tell your friends about it, share my story and my poem with your friends right now, and I hope you'll support me on Patreon. Check out the rewards you'll receive at patreon.com/alligatorpreserves, and uh, if you are a patron at a certain level, you'll be getting short stories every month. One new short story every month. I decided to open this month's short story up to everyone to get an idea of the kind of stories I write. Some, some of them are dark, some of them are funny. They were all different and they're all inspired by different things. So join me next time when I'll talk about something completely different. And until then, let's see, cranberry preserves on your toast this holiday season. Yeah, that sounds about right. Thanks for visiting. Bye. Alligator Preserves is hosted and produced by Laurel McCard, with technical support provided by her husband, Mike McCard. Follow her on her website at leadvillelorel.com, where she writes about life, real, and imagined. If you enjoyed this podcast, you might enjoy her books. Find her work at amazon.com.